0: very good morning to everyone. It's lovely to see all your smiling faces. As most of you are aware, Michelle and I um, originally come from South Australia and all my family, our parents and all that live in South Australia and um, it's great when they come and visit because we don't get to see them too often because of the fact they live in South Australia. So I can only understand the excitement of one person in this room at the moment Nicole, your dad is here, not from South Australia, but all the way from South Africa. Flip, welcome. (laughs) Welcome to our service today. It's great to have you, and I I really hope and pray that your time with family is uh, well spent and um, you really enjoy this special time. And um, yeah, I can only say welcome, and um, yeah. Um, As you are aware, we're going through these I am statements. We only have two to go. And, um, and then I'm looking at doing something else just before Christmas that still focuses on Jesus. And, um, and then speaking of South Australia, Michelle and I are taking two weeks off to go and see our granddaughter Grace before she turns 16 and driving, and we don't know what she looks like. Today, um, I'm going to be looking at the I Am statement that Jesus proclaimed about himself that is probably one of the world's well, well-known, well-known out of all the seven And you just heard it, and it is this. I am the way, the truth, and the life. As you know, this statement is found in John chapter 14 that Michelle just read out. But I think it's important to put it in context. You see, Jesus made this statement to his disciples at the Passover feast. That night before he was to be betrayed. We see in chapter 13 of John's gospel that this feast was like no other they've shared before. It was at this meal Jesus told them some pretty earth-shattering news. Jesus had announced that one of them was going to be a traitor. He also warned Peter at this meal that he was going to deny him three times. But perhaps the heaviest blow was yet to come when he said that he was going to leave them. These men had been with him for three amazing years. They'd seen people healed. They'd seen demons cast out. They'd seen dead people raised to life. They've seen thousands of people miraculously fed. They'd seen the wind and the waves obey his human voice. They'd seen God walking and talking here on earth because he was with them. Surely after three years, they thought, this is just the beginning. We are only at the beginning of seeing even greater things. But now Jesus tells them that they're not. That's not where they are on his map. He tells them that he's about to be arrested, taken away and killed. And these men that are followed, trusted and believe in him begin to wonder what on earth is going to happen to us. What are we going to do? It was then Jesus comforts his disciples with those words Michelle just read out. From these words, from these great three statements, they're all about one thing. Comfort to his disciples. Before we look at each one, let's open in prayer and ask God to open our hearts. Father God in heaven, I thank you that you're a God of mercy. You're a God of grace. And Father, what we look at today is your mercy and your grace Lord Jesus, I thank you for the way in which you acted upon this night with your closest friends and what you said to them. And Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, reveal your truths to us afresh this morning, even though we may already know them. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. The first thing he says is, I am the way. A little boy was lost inside a shopping centre. He was standing in the aisle of a department store, just crying and crying. I want my mummy. I want my mummy. People who passed by felt sorry for him. And for some unbeknown reason, people decided to cheer him up by giving him money. He got amounts from $1 to $5. Finally, a salesperson from the floor walked up to the short little boy and said, don't worry, I know where your mummy is. The little boy looked up with his tears, drenched eyes and said, so do I, just keep it quiet, I've got a good thing going here. (laughs) Do you know, as funny as that is, I'm sure you're all aware that being lost is an awful, terrible place to be. You know, the feeling of being lost is a terrible feeling, it's a frightening feeling. You start to feel a sense of anxiety, hopelessness, fear and panic. Yet that's probably the exact kind of feeling these disciples had that night Jesus told them he was about to leave. Well, millions of people's lives are just like that. They're lost. Not in a geographical sense, but in a spiritual sense. But the sad thing is sometimes they don't even know it. They truly just don't realise they're lost. And they carry on and on and get further and further and deeper into being lost. Do you know, I find it interesting in life, we see this profound sense of lostness emerge in people and even in people who we would consider have it all together, have everything they want, yet they are lost. I remember seeing an interview with Mike Tyson talking about his boxing career. He said, there was a time when I seemed to have everything, he completely dominated the boxing world. He had great fame and popularity. He said at that time he was worth $300 million. And as the world champion boxer, he had worldwide respect. But you know, later, around 2003, he was a different man. His money was gone, he was, so he declared himself bankrupt. And he was also sentenced to three years jail for rape. And he'd lost popularity and respect. Then in the late 2000s, once he served his time, he came out of prison and made a comeback to the ring where he defeated Kevin McBride. Now, sometime later, when this interview was taking place, the interviewer put this question to him. Have all these circumstances helped you find the true you? Have you refound who you are? Tyson's response is something I'll never forget. This is his response, word for word, because I wrote it out. Who am I? What am I? I don't even know. I'm just a dumb child who's been abused and robbed by lawyers. At this time in my life, I'm just a fool who thinks he's someone, but I'm not. I'm lost. Wow. This is a guy that had everything, and he ends up in this position. Well, many people are in the same boat. Many people are confused. Many people are unhappy. Many people are lost. They are like sheep without a shepherd. But let's stop for a second focusing on other people. Let's bring it home. Let me ask you, how are you going? How often have you cried out something like that? How often have you been in a situation in life where you said, I'm lost, I'm confused, I don't know what's going on? How often have we been in the same predicament as those disciples at the table? How often have we said, Lord, I thought things were under control. Lord, I thought I knew where we were heading together, but now I'm confused. Now I'm lost. Sometimes we think we know where we're going. We think we know the path God has taken us on, but then something comes along in life at an instant, something unseen, something unplanned, and something that knocks you completely Of course. Lord, I thought I had everything planned out. I thought you and I, our future was certain together. I thought our future was clear. But now I've lost my job. Now I've lost my family. Now I've lost my health. Now I've lost my direction. I don't know where I am. I don't know where I'm going. And I don't know the way. Well, let me tell you, just like those disciples, we can feel lost, confused and disheartened. Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? But look at Jesus' response or promise to his friends. It is the same to us. I am the way. Jesus made a message very simple. The first thing he said to them was this. Do not let your hearts be troubled. That was his opening line to them. My friends, don't let your hearts be troubled. And then he told them to do something. Depending on your translation, it would say this. He told them to trust and believe. Trust and believe in what? Well, he told them that too. He gave them two identities. Believe or trust in God. Believe also in me. Let not your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. According to Jesus, He's telling His disciples, heaven is a real place. It is not just a product of a religious imagination. Heaven is a place where God dwells and where Jesus sits today at the right hand of the Father. According to Jesus, He tells His disciples, Where I'm going is my Father's house, it's home for God's children. The Greek word translated mansion simply means rooms or abiding places. So we must not think of heaven in terms of mansion houses. It's unfortunate that some unbiblical teachings have come out that claim certain faithful Christians live in mansions while other ones just get by. That's not the case. When he was here on earth, Jesus was a carpenter. He built things. Now that he's returned to glory, he's still building He's building a church on earth and a home for that church in heaven. Jesus Christ is now preparing a place for all true believers, a place that will be beautiful. Do you know, I remember a quote by Keith Green, the singer, and he said, if it took God six days to create the earth, yet he's been working on heaven for over 2,000 years, he said, this is a garbage dump compared to what's happening up there heaven will be a place that is beautiful. Jesus makes it clear in our text that he is the only way into that place. He is the path to truth which leads to eternal life. Without his path or without his truth, you will never discover eternal life. He says, I am the way. Jesus doesn't just claim to know the way. He claims to be the way. As you know, I'm still relatively new here and I'm still learning my way around Melbourne. One thing I've learned since being here is there are a couple of different ways you can actually get from Pakenham to the CBD in Melbourne. I've learned this because depending on traffic depends on which way Google Maps takes me. I've done the most common one a few times down the M1. Other times there was an accident on the M1 somewhere and so one time Google Maps take me, took me through the East Link. Another time a truck rolled over in the Burnley Tunnel, and that day Google Mac took me to St Kilda and then via Albert Park. Each route was different distances, took different lengths of time, but in the end it didn't really matter. Why? Because each route got me to my destination. Each route I took, I ended up in Melbourne. Now that may be true for a trip down the road to Melbourne, but the same is not true when it comes to our spiritual journey home. When it comes to heaven, there is only one road, we can take. Every other road is a dead end. Yet more and more people, even many who would consider themselves Christian, believe that there are many roads that lead to God. People say that there are many faiths and many religions, and all of which have equal value before God. Here in the West, we live in a very multicultural society. That means there's a lot of different faiths around us and about us. Do you know, I don't have to turn on your TV and it's becoming more and more common to hear people talking about their pick and mix faith. They say, I like this about Christianity, I like this about Islam and I like this about Hinduism. So I take a bit of it and I put it all together and I came up with my own faith. I saw a news story just the other month about a Catholic priest that was brutally killed by Muslims At his funeral mass, around 300 Muslims were in attendance at his funeral. The priest in charge of the church at the funeral mass was quite taken back by this. So he invited the Muslims to join in their up-and-coming Sunday service. He said, I'm going to make this Sunday an interfaith service. And he made this comment. We will come together. You can pray to your God and we'll pray to our God. Together, let's ask God to stop these senseless killings like this one. Let me ask you, is that right? Is that good? I remember in 2001, following the tax on September 11, New York mayor um, said, uh, he spoke about before the United Nations. In his speech, he mentioned that a typical day or a typical weekend for him was to visit an Islamic mosque on a Friday and a Christian church on a Sunday. And then he said to both groups, worship the same God but in different ways. Is he right? Do we worship the same God in different ways? Well, no. And there's one more. Even our own council. I hope I don't get in trouble. But even our own council has an interfaith department. How do I know? They've rung me. They've not only rung me, they've rung Lauren as well. They're wanting us to mix. They rang me and asked, how can we get um, our Christian church to have a group of Muslims come to our church. They wanted these Muslims to come and be a part of our youth group so that we can learn from each other. And then we were to go to their mosque. And her comment to me was this. You genuinely believe the same thing. And in the end, all religions lead to God, don't they? That's our own council. And that department is still operating today. Let's face it, religiously, we're living in a confusing times and it's easy to get a bit lost. Today, people believe that as long as you're sincere in what you believe, as long as you do your best and be a good moral person, God will accept you in the end. You'll get home. But you won't and he won't. Jesus says, I'm the way. I'm the only way. For me, it's illogical to think that God would go over to one side of the world and tell people, here's the way to be reconciled with me, and then go over to the other place on the other side of the world and say, here's a completely different way to be reconciled with me. God isn't schizophrenic. There's only one way. Don't look for another path. Don't look for another way. Remember when Jesus said, I'm the door of the sheep pen? He said, any other, how do you get into the sheep pen? He said, those that don't use the door, those that climb over the fence are like thieves. No wonder at another time Jesus said, narrow is the way that leads to life. It is narrow because there's only one way, one. It is not according to our dreams, our theories, our philosophies. It has nothing to do with what we think, feel, or have experienced. People who try to get into God or be reconciled with God using any other means are like those jumping the walls of the sheep pen. It would make sense that God would provide a path for us to follow Him and to be reconciled to Him. And He did. One path Jesus Christ. All other roads will take you in the wrong direction. There is only one way. The next thing He says is this I'm the truth. Do you know, when he stood before Pilate, Jesus said to him, I've come to testify to the truth. Pilate asked him, what is truth? Do you know, that is still a very important question that you can ask today. What is truth? We live in a world where some people say there's no such thing as ultimate truth. And I've shared this before. One of the biggest lies we have is what might, what's true for you may not be true for someone else. That's rubbish. Truth doesn't work that way. I mentioned a few weeks ago when looking at Jesus at the door, when we talk about money, medication and measurements, there are absolute truths that cannot be denied. If we want absolute truths in these matters that concern measurements, money and medicine, why not matters in personal morality and faith? Why can't we have ultimate truth? Jesus says, I'm the truth. I've come to testify to the truth. You know, when it comes to truth, I love what Winston Churchill once said. He said this, Truth is absolute, panic may resent it, ignorance may deride it, malice may distort it, but there it is, he's right. Pilate said, what is truth? Jesus says, I am the truth. And you know, people may misunderstand the truth of the Christian gospel, people may resent it, and some people may deride it, and some people may distort it, but the truth is the truth, it's absolute. The truth does not waver or change. It remains the same today and forever. $1 today will be $1 tomorrow. It doesn't miraculously come $10. 10 centimetres today is 10 centimetres tomorrow. Jesus is the only way today. Jesus is the only way tomorrow. Because Jesus is the truth, we have a light for the journey of life. As long as you hold to the truth, you don't have to fear about going the wrong way. Why? Because Jesus, as the way, is illuminating by him as the truth. The final one, he says, is this. I am the life. Do you know this word life is mentioned so many times in our scriptures. I can't help but think one great thing God wanted all of us to know when we opened up and read the scriptures is this, through him we can have eternal life. But eternal life isn't just something that is far off in the future. Because Jesus is the life, the eternal life he gives us here and now, it begins today. It begins once you accept him. That's why I say even though these verses in John 14 are about heaven and our future glory, Jesus being the life is not just an encouragement for our future glory, it's an encouragement to our here and now as well. That's why I say to find God is not only to find eternal life, to find God is to find full life. So many in the world will tell us being a Christian is boring. It's not full life at all because it's all about what you're called to do or not do. I had a friend once say to me, Garth, why would I want to be a Christian? God takes away all the good stuff. As an atheist, I can do whatever I want, Garth, guilt-free. You know, I pray one day my friend discovers just how empty his life is. He's lost. He doesn't have life to the full. Men and women over time have tried many ways to find a satisfying life but they soon discover those ways lack truth and fulfilment. In his devotional book, Growing Stones in the Seasons of Life, Charles Swindle gives us some false examples of man's quest over time. He says this, Greece says, be wise, know yourself. Rome said, be strong, discipline yourself. Religion, self, be holy, confirm yourself. Education says, be resourceful, expand yourself. Psychology says, be confident, fulfil yourself. Materialism says, be greedy, please yourself. Pride says, be superior, promote yourself. Modernism says, be inferior, suppress yourself. Diplomacy says, be reasonable, control yourself. Humanism says, be capable, trust yourself. But they're all wrong. None of these have brought any about any fulfilment in people's lives. These people who live by these mottos soon discover the emptiness of their pursuits. They realise they bring no long-term fulfilment. And more than that, they bring something else. Do you know, I said before how Jesus spoke about the narrow road that leads to life. Well, in the same message, he also spoke about the broad road that most people are on. And Jesus tells us where that broad road led. He said, to destruction. Do you know, every time I read Jesus' words about these two roads, I often think of some of the problems people on these roads are faced with in how hard it is to get off. One of the main reasons is this. Jesus says this ride is broad and there are many people on it. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation Um, where you've been in a crowd or lots of people, have you ever been to a concert or a football match or something and you're at the front of the line and there are a lot of people behind you and the gate's open, you're pushed. Once everyone starts to move, you're pushed. There's nowhere you can go. And so when people are on this broad road, because there are so many people heading down the line to destruction, people just follow and are pushed. It was only a few weeks ago in Korea, people were killed because of moving crowds. When a crowd is going one way on a broad road and there are lots of people on it, it is so hard to break away. I used to try sometimes to be smart and funny and turn around at at concerts or football games and go the other way. It doesn't work. You don't get very far. Another big problem with being on a road is it blocks your vision because all you see is people. I've done this with kids. I'll I'll have a group of kids in front of me and I'll get every kid to stand up bar one and I'll hold up a chocolate bar and I say to the kid, tell me what's in my hand and you can have it. And they say, I can't, I can't see it. And I say, why, what do you see? I said, I only can see people. And so I get them to sit down and then they can see it. When you are surrounded, when these people are on this road and they're surrounded by so many people, they block their vision. They block it. So many people on this wide road are trapped. They're just locked in their confusion. There are people who are desperate to know a way out of their problems and confusions. They try drugs, they try alcohol, they try various religions, all in attempt to find solution, but it doesn't work. Do you know one thing I think of with this? This is a little bit hard. Why are there so many people on the wide road and so many on the narrow road? because we as the narrow road have failed. We've failed. We should be the ones bringing these ones across. We know the answer. If you're my maths teacher and you try to teach me for a year, one plus one equals two, and at the end of the year, I still believe one plus one equals five, in some ways you failed as a math teacher. Why are there so many on the world, right? Because we have failed. Jesus says, I'm the life. Jesus is the way off this road that leads to destruction. And he is the way on the road that leads to life and life eternal. Yes, Jesus is the way to eternal life, but he's also the way to a full life now. He is the way out of your depression, out of your bondage, out of your addiction and out of your hopelessness. His life is the way To a new beginning, forgiven and restored in God today. As I said before, so many people think that Christianity is all about rules and regulations. They think it's all about being imprisoned by a life of do's and don'ts. But Jesus says no. In fact, he goes deeper than just saying no. Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Have it to the full. I've come to set you free. I've come to give you a better life, a more fulfilling life, a more content life, a more abundant life. When? Now. Today. You can trust Jesus, who not only is the way, the truth and the life to eternal life, but he is also the way to life out of your despair. What does this abundant life look like? Well, it looks like this. When you have a life Found in Christ, you're free from guilt, you're free from shame, you're free from sin, you're free from anxiety, you're free from fear, depression, and misery. We have a life of freedom. We're not in chains. Mankind is looking for a way up and for a way out. The problem is they're lost and running in the opposite direction. They're getting further and further from God and into deeper and deeper chaos in their life. The reason is they not looking in the right place. When it comes to finding God, Jesus is always the starting point, always the middle point and always the end point. In fact, we can say Jesus is the only way to God. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus as the way is illuminated by his truth and we are energized by his life can I finish today with two challenges for you? And they involve a story that happened to me. I remember when I was younger, I was about 18 or 19, and teenage boys don't tend to think straight, and me and another guy in my youth group decided one day, let's go for a road trip to uh, Sydney. So we went for a road trip to Sydney, and I remember one day I was uh, driving in Sydney, and I was going down this road, and anyway, there were people on the sidelines, on the footpath, and they're waving to me and pointing to me, and I thought, oh, that's nice. <laughs> well, people are friendly here, and like some of them are, are pointing like this, and I thought, oh, something wrong with my car, and I couldn't feel anything. Can we check the doors? And um, and the cars that are coming this way are flashing me and tooting me, and um, and I thought, oh, there must be an accident up ahead, you know, like that's why everyone's going going crazy, or you know, maybe there's a speed camera, although I wasn't speeding or anything like that. But then I looked up, and um, I saw this. (laughs) It was at that point I realised I was going down the wrong way on a wrong way street heading towards a very dangerous situation. I had to make a U turn. All of a sudden I was thinking oh my gosh I'm in danger here. Two seconds ago I was and I thought everyone was really friendly in Sydney but once I saw that sign I changed and so with that in mind I put this to you who is Jesus for you have you been in that situation where you know your life is in danger you are heading on a road to destruction do you know that because of the sin that you've done that your road is death have you made and known that you're on the wrong road going in the wrong direction But have you made that U-turn? Have you known that in your life you were once on that broad road that led to destruction, but you have made the decision to get off that danger and come over here through repentance? Do you know repentance means a turning around, or more correctly, repentance means a change of thinking. It's a change of thinking of what makes us right before God. We're talking about this Thursday night at Bible study and, you know, we're saying how some people's conversion's dramatic and others just gradual. But it doesn't matter as long as you know you're saved, as long as you know there was one point in your life where you knew my sin is leading me to death. I'm in danger here. I'm going the wrong way. I need to change my thinking and get off this road. And let me put another challenge to you. What do you do when you see people on that road going the wrong way? People who are searching or trying to find God without Jesus. Well, you should do the same thing as those strangers on that footpath and those motorists on the other way did to me. You should be yelling. You should be pointing. You should be tooting. You should be flashing. You're going the wrong way. It's time for the church to stop failing. Our government and everything is pushing Christianity further and further and further away. We know that. Why? Because it's not their problem. The church has failed to stand up. Dan Andrews doesn't have a chance against the King of Kings. When the King of Kings children are standing up, Dan Andrews' kingdom doesn't win. The kingdom of God wins. We need as Christians to be open up the word of God and show people which is the right way, especially when everything in the world is spiralling out of control. When it looks like everything seems to be going the wrong way in our life and in our society, we need to be the ones that are on the right path. We are the ones that have been given a divine commission by our Lord to show the people the way to heaven. We know the way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Therefore, we not need stay. We need to stay on the right path in our lives. Why? Because if we get off the wrong path and onto the wrong path, we've done damage. We too will get lost and be unable to lead anyone. How can you lead someone when you're not on the right path to start off with? An elderly gentleman was walking with his young grandson, How far are we from home? He asked the boy. The boy answered, Grandpa, I don't know. The grandfather said, Well, where are we? Again, the boy answered, Grandpa, I don't know. Then the grandfather said cheerfully, Sounds to me, grandson, like you're lost. The young boy looked up at his granddad and said, No, I can't be lost, granddad, because I'm with you. And you know where we're going. I pray that that might also be true for you as you go through this life with the one who is the way, the truth and the life. I'm going to ask the stewards to come forward as I'm going to lead us in a time of communion. And as they're coming forward, I'm just going to pray. Father God in heaven, I thank you for the powerfulness of your word. Lord, we want this life. And, Lord, I want to see others like my friend that thinks he has all this freedom but is dying. He's a chain to sin, as Paul says in Romans. Father, I thank you that you are the one that reconciled us to yourself. You are the one who brought us into this relationship with you. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And that's what we celebrate right now at this Lord's table. In Jesus' name, amen.